This is the Chicago Podcast Network. Hey, everybody. Thank you so much for downloading this episode on the Chicago Podcast Network. I am Nick Sarantos, Grand Poobah, and host of everything. Today on the show, AJ and I are going to kind of get into what's been going on with the Donald Trump nomination for president and uh, get talk about that. We're kind of following up on what happened with last week tonight on John Oliver, Sunday night with its brilliant takedown piece of Trump. We want to follow up on that, uh, shed some more light if whatever, if that's even possible. Other than that, ladies and gentlemen, I hope you enjoyed the show. Find us on Facebook, Chicago Podcast Network. Find us on Twitter, Chi-Town Podcast One. And you can email us, Network at gmail.com. Thank you so much for listening. Hope you guys enjoy the show. And here we go. Hey everybody, thank you for downloading this episode of Out Front with AJ and Nick. I am Nick Sarantos, Editor-in-Chief of Chicago Podcast Network, joined over the interwebs and Skype by my good buddy AJ Signeri, who is sitting alone right now with a monkey and a carafe of coffee. AJ, how you doing? I'm fine. How's the monkey? Monkey's fine. Is it a puppy monkey baby? It's a, a puppy monkey baby. Creature of nightmares. <laughs> When you saw that commercial for the first time, didn't you just kind of want to reach through the TV and kill that thing? Well, I, I, but when, you, when I first saw it, I didn't know if the head was still a monkey or not, and why choose a pug face over the other breeds of dogs? You know, I would have put like a bulldog head on there, maybe a chihuahua head, but well, a pug? Well, speaking of dogs' heads, Donald Trump, no. Um... <laughs> no less, no less. It's too complimentary. It's too complimentary to call him a dog. Yeah. All right. So for those of you listening, uh, we had an interesting experience yesterday here at the Chicago Podcast Network. Uh, I learned the benefits of being first online with a video. I happened to crop a little bit of last week tonight with John Oliver, put it online. Next thing you know, 27,000 people have been to my Facebook page. And uh, this will be our first show since that happened. So I'm hoping that we get a lot of listeners to enjoy it. And keeping in mind that that was what happened. We've decided to keep it in the same topic, which is, of course, Mr. Donald Trump. AJ, we're going to do the best we can to honor that idea and keep referring to him as Trump. Is that fair? I'm going to, I'm going to try, but... It's hard, but we will attempt. But, I mean, I've said death left Trump, so it can't be that hard, right? Yes, and I like that one a lot. That's, that's a nice 90s NBA reference. You know? So... First off, AJ, I got to ask you the John Oliver piece. What was your reaction while you were watching it? I don't know why he hasn't done this before with other people. Um, I know why specifically he went after Trump, but I wish John Oliver would do more stuff like that. Um, I thought it was a really great thing that he did with that. If you haven't seen John Oliver's last week tonight, I would highly, highly recommend doing it. It just gives him a lot of creative license to actually go into the issue than just kind of saying, yeah, this is the issue, and you move on to the next things. Far different when he was on The Daily Show. Um, and this is what, I, if, if I may, I would consider John Oliver's show the gateway drug if you want to see shows like Vice or other shows related to Vice and everything because they actually like do investigate in journalism, and I don't consider John Oliver a journalist, but I do think he does a great job investigating the topic or a person to get his message across. And with his show about Donald Trump, 
was really, really good. And he had some really excellent points that had to be out there and everything. And we're going to be doing that here on this show as well. Well, it, it, it was an interesting piece, uh, especially when he starts off by saying that they've mostly ignored him. But now that he's won three primaries in a row, and we should mention to everybody that we're recording this on Super Tuesday. So we're going to be recording this this morning, and I imagine coming back later in the week with a, a response to a lot of what's going to be going on today politically. Um, but the piece that was done on John Oliver was, in my opinion, one of the best things they've done. I would agree with you, by the way, that it's like a gateway drug device news, frontline, all, because I definitely have become, in the two years that that show has been on, I watch a lot more... Uh, documentaries about politics than I ever did, and it's because when John Oliver makes jokes about stuff, I want to be able to understand it a little bit more. Well, yeah, and and there's he also talks about issues that no one else gets to talk about, and I, w- I would love to be a fly in the writer's room as to what topics they choose. Like, do they pick it out of a hat? Do they actually have a meeting and, and actually pitch an idea? I just want to know what that process is because from – and some of these things that people think are just very nuanced things and then John Alva's like, it may be nuanced, but here's the bigger picture. you know. And then he also shows footage that is only shown on Facebook and it kind of gives John Oliver a little bit more like credibility to some of the evidence that people do paste on Facebook, Twitter, Flickr or whatever you're – um, social media platform or choices, and and he's right. I mean, people really dismiss Donald Trump. It's like, oh, he's not going to win Iowa. Oh, he's not going to win New Hampshire. Oh, he's not going to win South Carolina or Nevada. And then he does well, and now it's like, oh, Frankenstein's monster <laughs> is actually on the loose. We should do something about this. It's like, no, you should have contained this a while ago. I know this. You knew this. Why didn't you get your ducks in order? Well, here's the thing, though. I would argue that you and I did a show in October. Not October. It would have been November. It was a year out from the election. Stuff had kind of started. Donald Trump was announcing his candidacy, and you and I sat here and for a good 20 minutes, made a lot of jokes about how Donald Trump could never be a serious candidate because he doesn't know how to keep his mouth shut. Right. And we were, just to be fair, we were as guilty as anybody else just thinking there's no way that this guy can be a serious candidate for president. And here we are in March, you know, four months later, five months later, and this guy is positioned himself as of today after he wins, uh, if he wins enough states today, not only is he the presumptive uh, frontrunner for the Republican Party's nomination, uh, you know, he's a serious candidate for president, which is a Scary, scary idea. The scarier thing is that he's been on TV so much lately that there are people that I know who work in the building that I am currently in who are Trump supporters, either because they're so anti-democratic, they think that Bernie Sanders is a communist, or they just don't like Hillary Clinton, that they are going to vote for Donald Trump on the in the Illinois primary. I'm really effing scared about the Illinois primary with Trump because I've seen some of the poll numbers about Trump and other Republicans, and he's actually gaining people in Illinois. And I really want to know who these people are. Um, 
I have a general idea in what counties Trump would gain supporters in, but I, I, I just don't really understand about this phenomena of Trump. And I think it speaks more about how politics and entertainment have really meshed well, as well as entertainers like Trump and others who have built a platform like The Apprentice and a few other things, and all of a sudden they have supporters. They know they have supporters, and it's like, oh, we'll just inject that into this realm of politics. And if people really think Trump is going to do anything for us in the United States, then I, I really will probably... I probably will go off on people. I will really be, unfortunately, probably somewhat dismissive of people and be like, you people don't get it. And I I backed everybody. I've backed the American people and the public that, no, they're smart. They're informed, blah, blah, blah. No, if you're going to vote this guy into the White House, then you're all dumb. I'm sorry. Well, then not to mention the fact, so I talked to my sister yesterday, and, uh, she said to me that the second somebody says to her that they're going to vote for Trump, she instantly feels like she does not want a relationship with that person anymore in any way. Mm-hmm. And I, and, and to be honest with you, I kind of understand that, that, that thinking because the more you look at this guy, it's, it, it is, it's, as they say on the Oliver Priest, it is all, you know what he is? He's, if you look at a house that was built in like the 1930s, and I'll say it's been bought and sold 12 times, and you keep going through, and you go, okay, this looks nice, but the second you move like a little bit of paint, or you move a poster, and you get this idea all of a sudden that this is actually just a, a, a beat up lemon of a house, mm-hmm. that's him. He's a car being sold by CarMax, which has got a Bondo job on the front end of it. That makes it look like it's presentable, but really it's not. And the, the second you look below the surface, there's nothing there. And it's like, you know what? It's like buying a car with no engine. You, you can look at a car. It can be a great car. It can be a wonderful car. But you open the hood and you don't see anything in there. Suddenly it's not a car, right? That's right. how I feel about Trump. He's not a candidate. Not really. He's a reality television star who's managing to get this far because people know it. There's a great moment in that Oliver piece where they talk about, you know, people from New York, why do you support Donald Trump? And they go, well, because the Trump name is, is synonymous with success. And I thought about that. And I said, you know what? If my dad wasn't my dad, if he hadn't told me what had happened with Trump Tower here in Chicago, if, uh, as far as him screwing over a lot of the early investors, a lot of whom, by the way, were Greek, which is the only reason I know about this, it's it, it, the more you look at the guy, the more you realize that it's all crap. And I went to, they mentioned it briefly in Oliver, but I wanted to get into this a little bit. They mentioned the site PolitiFact, which I'm sure you've used, AJ, which mm-hmm. evaluates basically what statements made by candidates. For those of you who don't know, it evaluates statements made by candidates and public people as to how much they, what they say is true. And if you go through these numbers, they're, they're truly fascinating. Ted Cruz, 65% of everything he says is provable as being false. Bernie Sanders, 32% of everything he said it can be proven false, though a couple of those are more of opinion-based than anything else. Same thing with Hillary Clinton. The stuff that she gets marked for false, 30%, which I would say is fair that most 30% of people's opinions could be wrong. 
Now's where it gets interesting. Marco Rubio, 42%. That's interesting to me because you just think of all Republicans as liars, but at least with, as they said again in the Oliver piece, with Rubio, you kind of know what you're getting. Trump, 78% of what he says is considered false. 20% of which he's considered a liar, liar, pants on fire, which is a great little rating that they have on here. But, oh, I always love that one. Yeah. Get a liar, liar, pants on fire. Yeah. I mean, look, these are the ones that he's got that are fans. Uh, uh, these are some of the statements that he has said that PolitiFact is rated as pants on fire lies. Uh, said Ted Cruz said I was in favor of Libya. I never discussed that subject. He wrote it about it on his own blog. Uh, says that the Philippines says that in the Philippines more than a century ago, uh, John Pershing took fifty bullets, dipped them in pig blood, and shot forty nine uh, Muslim rebels. The fiftieth person, go back to your people and tell them what happened. After twenty five years, there wasn't a problems. Uh, historians are dubious on both the claim and the re- interpretation of what happened. Don't believe the phony numbers you hear about 4.9 or 5% unemployment. The number is 28.29, as high as 35. In fact, I think I recently heard 42% unemployment. Uh, Trump is wildly off base. Uh, television ad shows Mexicans swarming over our southern border. The images that you see in that ad are not from Mexico. They are from Morocco. That's my favorite one, by the way. Mm-hmm. Uh tw- Barack Obama wants to bring in 250,000 people from Syria. That's not true. Says crime statistics show blacks kill 81% of white homicide victims. That stat doesn't hold up. Nobody has that stat. I watched in Jersey City, New Jersey, where thousands of people were cheering as the World Trade Center collapsed. No one can remember that except Donald Trump. The federal government is sending refugees to states with governors who are Republicans, not to the Democrats. Yeah, no, that doesn't make any sense because no one in the government decides that. It's up to private and faith-based groups. The Trans-Pacific Partnership was designed for China to come in, as they always do, through the back door and take advantage of everyone. The Pacific Partnership will actually hurt China. I never said that Marco Rubio was Mark Zuckerberg's personal senator. Time to check his own website. That's a statement that you can still see on there, by the way. Bernie Sanders is going to tax you people at 90%. No, he's going to tax the 1%, which means he will tax Donald. And let's see. That's the, what's the, there's one more that was really good. Well, the one I love is when they say um, Trump said last quarter was just announced our gross domestic product was below zero. Whoever heard of this, it's never below zero. And then PolitiFact is like 42 times does not equal zero. <laughs> You know, so it's things like that. Like, you know there's someone on the other side of the screen who wants to add, like, their own personal statements. Like, no, 42 doesn't equal zero. Well, not only that, but, it, it, okay, so the, the the process this year in particular it has gotten so bizarre. And I, I do give Rubio, Rubio has started to really attack Trump because he has to. And I don't know if you, one of the, did you see the Daily Show last night at all? Yes. Where they talked about how Rubio is starting to go after uh, Trump. Mm-hmm. And he does give a statement in a political event where he says, I gave speeches about education. Nobody covered it. I gave speeches about, you know, taxes. I gave speeches about uh, illegal immigration. Nobody covered it. But the second I go after Trump, it leads the news. And he's right. There, there. That is a big factor in what's happening. Because if you're a news agency and you're trying to get ratings, which, again, you and I have talked about the lack, that ratings should not be a factor in news. But if you're a news organization trying to get ratings, 
you lead with Trump because people want to watch it because it's either you support him, in which case you're dumb enough, you're, you're probably too stupid to remark a remote control, or you are watching the car accident. It's like watching NASCAR on Sunday. You're just waiting for the car to crash. And in both of those cases, there's no political discourse happening anymore. Honestly, you, you AJ, are a pretty intelligent political guy, even more so than myself. What the hell does Donald Trump even believe? He doesn't believe anything. He believes what he wants to believe. And that's what's more scary is when you have someone like Trump who believes what he says and he has yes men and women who also believe what he says, that radiates into a message. I think the best example of how this is going to go down with Trump in the White House is what Jesse Ventura did in Minnesota. I think that's probably the best example. Um, for those who don't remember Jesse The Ventura, body. The body, Ventura. Former WWE wrestler. And announcer. Um, what? And, and announcer. announcer. I've been. Also, uh, uh, also former Vietnam vet. Navy SEAL. There you go. And so before he started doing his own conspiracy theory shows and who he is now, I mean, he kind of poised himself as like this intelligent person who's just more than a wrestling entertainer. And he ran for governor. He was mayor before Minnesota. And then he ran for governor um, as an independent, um, but I think specifically on the Reform Party. And... I remember watching that, and I thought that was cool because now it's a real outsider who's actually taken on the establishment, and there was this resounding support for Ventura, and he won. But friends of mine who have lived in Minnesota under Ventura's administration have told me he ran that state in the ground. He didn't know an effing thing on how to run government. He put people who should never have been in government. He, he drafted and pushed for policy that should never have been policy. And he just didn't do anything. And he was just there to kind of show like, yeah, I mean, I'm the outsider. I'm taking on these people because I can say what I want. I'm not bought by lobbyists. I'm not bought by money and everything. I am who I am because I'm, I'm the body. Remember me? And this is what we're having with Trump. You know, he's self-funded. He has people. He has connections. Not, I don't know about mob connections, but I know he has connections. So, I mean, he does have that going for him. But when, again, you start putting all your stuff into the realm of the spectacle called the presidential campaign, and then you get a segment of the United States, actually believing that, that's scary in itself. So I think equally as scary is that you only have someone named Donald Trump who's running for president, but you also have people who are supporting this person. And I don't know what to do with that because, I mean, let's face it, I don't want to say the majority of it, but there's a sizable amount of people who are uneducated, who live in certain areas of the United States, who are supporting Trump. And 
that's the kind of population that you try to engage. You try to get them involved in everything. And they don't want to do anything, but they'll get behind this guy and say, oh, he'll, he'll make the difference. I'm like, no, I met with you two weeks ago, and I wanted to see how we can make this part of your area better. But you don't want to listen to me. You want to listen to this guy. Well, it's, it's that idea to me of people look at a guy like him, and I think that there is a distinct part, man, that go, you know what? I'll put it to you this way. We'll get, we're going to get personal now, AJ. We're, we're going to get real. I've, I've been heavy my entire life, right? Like since yeah. I was eight years old, uh, I've been made fun of for, I've been bullied for, I, I, I've hated every second of it. But at the same time, it is who I am, and it took a long time for me to kind of come to terms with that fact, right? But if there was a magic solution right now that would make me, you know, look thin and svelte, I would do it. I would do it in a heartbeat because it's, it's instant. It's gratification. You know what I'm saying? Instant gratification yeah. of it. I think that there's a version of that that's happening politically right now. I think that people see a guy like Drumpf and they, they look at him and they go, well, he can fix it. Not only that, but he can fix it instantly. With Obama, it was the promise of hard work and change that never took place because the work was too hard. And I think with Drumpf, he's just like, I'm just going to go there and I'm just going to do it. And people want to believe that that's possible. And once a guy stands up there and says it, they're, they're the, the truly how to put this, the truly angry, the ones especially in the conservative party who have watched their party become destroyed by either religious fundamentalists or old school party Republicans, depending on which side of that argument you're on, Trump is the alternative, Trump is the alternative to all of that. And maybe that that's the appeal. But what I don't understand is, if you're an old, I get the outsider voter going for Trump. I, I do get that. I mean, it makes sense to me. You, you've you never been involved in the political process. You don't follow this stuff. You don't do the research to pick a candidate. You've either never voted or you've voted rarely. Or when you do vote, it's because you know a guy's name. You've never looked into You've never read that part of the paper that comes out every year that tells you what candidates and judges believe, right? Like, that's the kind of person who's gonna who initially would have supported Trump. But now... There are old school party Republicans who believe that this guy can get to the White House and it's so important to them that a Republican win that they are willing to vote for the devil because that's what he is. Donald Trump is not a Republican. He is not a Democrat. He's not even an independent. He is a egomaniacal wannabe dictator, but he's not clever enough to be a dictator. He's not successful enough to be considered a businessman. Right, and, and, and I just want to touch on that part you just said about how he's not a Republican. Um, quite honestly, none of them are Republicans, <clears throat> and really Sanders or Clinton is not really a Democrat. And they throw the term out, card-carrying Democrat, because it's that term that you're just in there for a long time versus actual card-carrying members of actual real parties. You know? <clears throat> so... By Trump saying, you know, I'm a Republican, da-da-da-da, it's like, no, you're not. I mean, if you really are a Republican, you know, then you would be actually espousing the actual platform that the Republican Party actually has. And he doesn't do that, you know. And this is what probably pisses me off the most is 
both the Republicans and Democratic Party really do not have any vetting process when it comes to candidates. They just allow people to come into the party. They, you know, maybe check them out, but don't do a full background on them or talk to them or have a, put a questionnaire out or anything. And they just allow people to run under their name and just allow the system called primaries and caucuses to saying, well, let's let the, our own people figure this out. And then you get to the convention and it's just kind of like a done deal. You know, you get the kind of supporters you need out in the primary and caucuses. Then you come to the convention. It's like, well, you must be the front runner because all these people say they're supporting you. So we're going to support you at the convention. And if anyone in their right mind in the Republican National Committee, the, uh, the RNC, they will – I am not a huge advocate of this, but in this instance, people – Reince Priebus, who's the chair of the RNC, has to figure a way out in order for Trump not to win the convention nomination because at the end of the day – he could win primaries. He could win caucuses, but the, it's really the convention that chooses the candidate, right? Not primaries and caucuses. And a lot of people seem to forget that, you know. And I've been in several conventions in my lifetime. Um, I've been to some Republican Democrats, but I've also been to third party ones. And you strike me as the kind of guy who tries to get people nominated from the floor. Yeah, I am. And but I'm also the guy who's actually running the convention. <laughs> True, you know. But and, look, 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 and, I want to go back. Process. I there's an actual process involved, and there's actual real conversations on the floor. I could tell you stories about fights on the floor, and I just um, I'm amazed. I'm like, we're fighting over a person. Well, here's here's the thing I would ask you though. You you mentioned that you know the chairman of the RNC needs to do something. I, I think that that's right. I think that that's the at this point it's responsible citizenship. Donald Trump is not qualified to be president under any circumstances. He's just not. There's a joke every year. Mickey Mouse gets one percent of the vote. So does Hulk Hogan. Well, Hulk Hogan is not a real person. There's a guy named Terry Bo- talking about brother. Yeah, brother. I'm going to be president. Brother, 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 brother. Where's my daughter? I want to hit on her. Um, Trump, Trump, not Hulk. Both, actually. They share a lot of characteristics. They do. Neither one of which should be president. And they know each other pretty well. Um, But here's the thing. People were getting on Rubio during the... It was Chris Christie, his last debate, was all over Rubio because Rubio is a senator and has no experience... You know, being a, a leader of any kind, I thought it'd be kind of interesting to kind of go through this. So check this. This to me is what I want to get into. Just for a second, you talk about qualifying for president. I've never been a person who believes in like there are people, man, who who go out there and say there should be a a test to be able to vote. And I go, you don't know your American history that has happened before, and it ends up being you know just used to stop minorities from voting, right? Like, that's happened before. But they're also, I don't know, and there shouldn't be a test to be present necessarily. But here's the thing. I want to read you, I want to read you four profiles right now of a PolitiFact. Not, not their, um, not, not, not their statements, not, not their lies or whatever. Just this, all right? Here's the first one. 
This person is a candidate running for president of the United States in 2016. She has served as the U.S. Secretary of State during the first four years of the Obama administration. She is formerly a U.S. Senator from New York, first elected in the year 2000. She was a candidate for president in 2008. She previously served as First Lady when her husband was served two terms as president. She was born in Chicago in 1947, graduated from Wesley College, and earned a law degree from Yale Law School. She has one daughter. All right, We all know who that is. Marco Rubio is a U.S. Senator from Florida. is a candidate for President for the United States. He was elected in 2010 and took office on January 5, 2011. He served in the Florida House of Representatives from 2000 to 2008 and is a former Speaker of the Florida House. He also served on the West Miami City Commission from 1998 to 2000. He is from Miami and holds a law degree from the University of Miami. We'll debate the validity of a law degree from the University of Miami later. Ted Cruz, elected the U.S. Senate in 2012 as a candidate for President of the United States in 2016. He is the former Solicitor General for the state of Texas, previously serving as the Director of Office Policy Planning of the Federal Trade Commission, an Associate Deputy Attorney General of the U.S. Department of Justice, as a Domestic Policy Advisor on the 2000 Bush-Cheney campaign. Champagne? Campaign. I want champagne. And finally, Mr. Drumpf is a real estate developer, entrepreneur, and host of an NBC reality show, The Apprentice. He is running for the Republican presidential nominee in 2016. Trump's statements were awarded the PolitiFact's 2015 Lies of the Year. Now, I read you three profiles that sounded like people who are qualified to be president, whether you disagree with their politics or not. I would argue that all three of those people have at least gone through enough government work that you could trust that they at least have an idea of what to do when they become president, right? Right. Donald Trump is the kind of Donald Trump is the kind of guy. What was the the mix up they had? And was it, it it was Ben Carson who didn't know the difference between Hamas and Hamas, right? Yeah. But it was, <laughs> it, but it was Trump. If I remember correctly, you you can correct me on this, but I, he is the one who said that he couldn't identify the different. He could first of all, he couldn't say Gaddafi, if I remember correctly, like he couldn't pronounce it, and then he couldn't identify like several world leaders. Yeah, yeah, you don't get to do that and be president but, of the United States. But, and I'm not saying this as a fair point, but who also did the same thing, and he got elected as president. Barack Obama? George Bush. Okay. I also wanted to bring him up for a minute. <laughs> because I never thought in my life that I would wax poetically about George W. Bush. <laughs> I would kill. I would kill to have him running for the Republican nomination. Because I wouldn't be so afraid, AJ. I'm actually terrified right now. Like, I, I cover it up, I try to be funny, I try to be glib, I try to sit here and tell myself that there's no way, there's no way that in a, in a presidential election that Trump can beat Clinton. There's just no way, right? And there's no way that uh, he can beat a Sanders, just because there's no way that people would vote. But man, the choices on the right are Marco Rubio, who is harmless in some ways, but he's so religious that it scares the hell out of me, and then take that idea and apply it to Ted Cruz, who's basically Joel Olstein as a politician and then there's Trump and if any of those three guys win any woman out there who ever wants to get an abortion is going to have to resort to back alley things and it's just like 
Number one on the thing, if any of those three guys win, I don't know with Trump. I, with, with him, I'm more concerned about foreign policy and just running the country into the ground and deregulation. Well, I got to say, and I actually had a really, really hard conversation with myself in that I really had to swallow the notion of, let's just say Trump is president, okay? Let's make that a hard reality, and I know some of us have said this about other presidents or governors or what have you. I really have this strong feeling, quite honestly, that I really have two options if Trump's president. I could f- flee and go to Canada Is or my favorite European city or South American city or Cuba. Um, Don't go to Bogota. I know what will happen to you if you go to Bogota, Colombia. Oh, if I, if I, I'm not going to Bogota. <laughs> Caracas, maybe, but not Bogota. Um, but the other option is, okay, I can stay here and potentially get arrested for what I stand up for. Well, didn't he say he was going to change the libel law? Yes, that's what is so crazy. Like the, the idea that he, a, a political candidate can sue a journalist for... for Saying or something any, or anything. I mean, he could he could sue Daily Show, John Oliver. It doesn't have to be journalism. I mean, libel law is there to kind of regulate what you can and cannot do. And if he actually changes libel law, then we're all screwed. I mean, you can sneeze in the wrong direction, and he'll sue your ass. Which is so bizarre because. This man is dangerous. Like, I don't understand. That's the thing that doesn't get me, AJ, is, is, is that this man is legitimately dangerous. Like, we make jokes. We, we're all fun with it. But I honestly don't know what he believes except that his name is awesome and he has the words, the best words. Like, I, I, I don't know what else the guy stands for. Like, the, the Oliver piece did a great job. At any given point, is he just going to decide one morning that all illegal immigrants need to be shipped out of the country, and then the next morning decides he needs them to trim the rose garden? Right. Does he believe anything? I think I honestly believe that there there's there's a possibility that he has no beliefs at all. But, but can we talk about the thing that people are talking about right now? Because it really it's really starting to piss me off more. About how he knows David Duke. Yes, we can get into that. I wanted to get into that as well. Because um, right, for those who are listening and don't know what we're talking about, <clears throat> um, it has been reported that David Duke, former or current, I would say current, um, Grand Wizard of the Ku Klux Klan. Um, David Duke has not been in this, the limelight in the 21st century as much, but for those of us who know David Duke, he's ran for president before. He was, was, was a part of the Reform Party, which I'll get to in a minute. And he has done some very atrocious things in the South, namely the ones I know of in Louisiana and in Mississippi, um, espousing KKK, KKK rhetoric. <clears throat> um, at one point, Donald Trump in 2000 was 
was exploring, if not going to run, as a third-party candidate in the Reform Party. David Duke, as I just said, was also in the Reform Party. And Donald Trump said that he doesn't like he doesn't want people like David Duke in the party because it doesn't give the party credibility. Fast forward to 2016. Don, John Trapper from CNN, because David Duke endorsed Donald Trump for president, and John Trapper on live television on CNN is essentially giving Trump a softball question and saying an opportunity to, you know, um, disqualify David Duke, the KKK, how white supremacy should be ending. And Trump just like, well, I, I, I haven't met David Duke. I don't know who these organizations are. I don't know what you're speaking of. Trapper gave him, what, three opportunities? Yeah, it was three. It was clearly three, including the fourth one, where he goes, well, I'm just talking about David Duke and the KKK, but whatever. You know, <laughs> so he gave him four softball, like 15-inch softball-sized questions, you know? He well, any other candidate, any other candidate now. in the history of a presidential election, any other one, well, David Duke is a racist and a bigot, and he has no place in American politics. Right? I mean, that's that, that's the soundbite. That's the soundbite that you've heard from like just any candidate whenever this kind of stuff happens. I, I didn't the same thing. If I remember correctly, when George W. was running for re-election against John Kerry, there was at one point kind of a thing of this anti-Muslim sentiment that was supported. And, and George W. Bush, again, I waxed poetically and longingly for this man now. <laughs> Who would just was like, no, that that's racist and that's wrong. It, 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 honest to God, as, as much crap as guys like you and me gave George W. Bush for all eight years that he was in office, the guy never, ever, ever stepped into the realm of all Muslims are terrorists. His number one thing to say after anything happened was, we have to remember that Islam is a religion of peace. He, he, he did teach or at least reach for understanding of that fact. As, as much as you want to insult his domestic policies, his foreign policies, George W. Bush did the right thing. I'll put it this way. I never thought George W. Bush did anything because for himself. I thought he always did it. I thought he was misguided in what he thought was right, and I thought he surrounded himself with a bunch of uh, bad people. But I never thought of George W. Bush as a bad person. Did you? No. I. I think, An idiot. I think the Bushes are, personally, I don't like the Bushes for the kind of policies that their 10-year-plus in public service they have done and everything. But it was, it's more so about... So when Bush came into office and started to come into the um, federal political scene, there was this idea that was floated around that Bush was, going, was one of the first neoconservatives, or neocons, as they call it, um... It, it kind of came around in the 80s, mostly in the 90s, but around the 2000s was the first time you had George W. Bush um, promoting this idea of neoconservatism. And what that really is, I mean, it's, it's still a conservative part of the conservative party and everything, but really when we say neoconservatism, there's a – they actually believe in like free market 
economy. They actually go a little bit further on certain neoliberal policies and everything. And Bush was really the person who created all this with his Bush doctrine on foreign policy and everything. So I was really scared of those kinds of things that Bush was doing. And now you have someone here like Trump who really doesn't have any political ideology at all. You know, we can call him a fascist. We can call him a conservative. We can call him whatever we want. But at the end of the day, there's no real ideology that he subscribes to. You know, he may do certain things in practice by accident, but to actually sit down and have an intellectual conversation with him about what his ideological preference or preferences are. Well, have you noticed that whenever he's questioned by anybody about how he'll do whatever the hell he's saying he's going to do, his answer is, we'll just do it. Like, that's been his right. answer to every question. It's like you, you can't get by on that. And the truth is there are enough people in this country who will vote for him that he is now a viable candidate for president. And... AJ, you understand this better than most people, but I think people need to truly understand how scary this is. The Electoral College will allow for a Trump, a Trump presidency, right? That's, and that's, that's, that's the other thing. I mean, I am always for getting rid of the Electoral College because it's a very rigged system. Yeah. It's, it's, desi- it's the, the fact it was designed in a time period where there wasn't instant communication. It was necessary for what was happening. But in today's world, we know the popular vote by 2 o'clock the afternoon on Election Day. Right. And, I mean, this is something fun that people should do. Um, There's a website that I go to every now and then. It's called 27 to Win. The number is 270 and the words to win.com. And it's a electoral map, and it shows the actual map of the United States, and it's mostly Republican and Democrats that you can choose and everything. And you personally can choose what states are the likelihood that, say, Trump could win and say what Sanders could win. And it's a really interesting map, and I've shown it to high school students before to show them the reality of why people like myself are scared of Trump, you know? And on this map, it shows you the actual um, electoral points on here. You know, so like Illinois has 20, Iowa has 6, Pennsylvania has 20, California has 55, Louisiana has 8, so forth and so forth. And it really shows you this strategic map. And you can show you, like, if Trump wins, say, New York, I'm looking at it right now. It's fascinating. Then Sanders needs to win Illinois, California, and Texas. You know what I'm saying? Right. Um, so I encourage people to go to that website, play with it, so that you can fully understand the picture here. You know, um, they don't have candidates on here, but it really will give you a nice forecast of what can happen in this situation. Well, no, I, like honestly, I'm looking at it right now. And the way the map comes up, they kind of basically say that it comes down to what Nevada, Colorado, Iowa, Wisconsin, Ohio, Pennsylvania, New Hampshire, Virginia, North Carolina, and Florida. The rest of the states are pretty much known what they'll do in a presidential election, right? So if you literally just go through and let's say 
Let's assume Pennsylvania goes Democrat, which is not a guarantee, but let's just assume that for the sake of argument because they tend to go, they swing either way. Right. Virginia and North Carolina, assuming that they're running against Sanders, will both go to Trump. Ohio's interesting. Let's say Florida would definitely go Trump, I would imagine, in that scenario because they're Florida. Wisconsin will probably go Republican because they've got Scott Walker up there, and I imagine they'll rig that election. Uh, Iowa, I would give... Honestly, the Republicans, just due to the rural state and due to the record number of turnout that he had in that primary, go Nevada, and that's it. Yeah, and if you, there's another link on that website that's for independent third parties that they'll inject in there too. But an independent isn't going to win any of those states. notion that Trump may run third party if he doesn't get the nomination at the convention. Well, if he does that, then the Democrats have it locked down. I mean, if he does that, then the Democrats have it locked, right? I mean, that just makes sense. I don't know. I mean, that's what, again, it's scary because, I mean, have you seen the numbers he's pulling in the South? Yeah. You know, so, I mean, if you even if you did this map and you put the third-party independent in there, because um, I'm, I'm trying to set myself up here. Okay, so let's say, like, Alabama – Mississippi, uh, Tennessee, Georgia, South Carolina. Sure, we'll throw in Arkansas in there. We'll definitely throw in Oklahoma in there. Louisiana. And for shits and giggles, let's say West Virginia. For Trump, that's 77 points already. You know, so, I mean, with that, you and the worst part about it is he'll get annihilated in the popular vote annihilated right. like he he won't even be it won't even be 10% for the popular vote but political strategy with the electoral college will allow him to become the dictator in chief and if people don't think that that's what he will do when he becomes president you're out of your mind and i'm not saying that he'll be able to do it just because there there is a senate and a and a house in front of, you know that stops that not to mention the Supreme Court, but he will try. He will go up and give press conferences every day to stroke his own ego. He'll stand behind the seal of the President of the United States, arguably the most respected position in the world, will belong to a guy who at one point wrestled against Vince McMahon in a hair-versus-hair match at WrestleMania 23 in Detroit. And I know that because I was there. Oh, you actually were at that match? I, I was at that WrestleMania. Undertaker beat Batista for the title. It was awesome. I cried. Um, Who didn't? Well, exactly. It's the Undertaker. Dead man walking. Uh, especially, it, especially he's like fighting Shane O'Mac in WrestleMania. Yeah, we gotta t- we'll talk about that as it gets closer to Mania. I'm going to have my buddies Phil and Mike come in. We're going to do a WrestleMania preview show because it's WrestleMania. It doesn't matter. Let's get back to the important stuff. But my point is, honestly, that Donald Trump once did that. Now, I'm a wrestling fan. I love my, I love my superstars. I love watching them do stuff. But any person who appeared in a substantial storyline in WWF probably isn't qualified to be president. Je- Jesse the Body Ventura is not qualified to be president, but I would vote for him over Trump. Because, really? Honestly, because at least he's been a governor and screwed it up. Maybe he learned something. Well... You would think. 
But at least, listen, I will tell you this. If, if Jesse the Body was running, the only reason I would give him any, any time of day is because his number one thing is to his campaign finance reform. If you listen to him talk, he says that's what's destroying the country more than anything else. And he's right. And I, and I, and I agree with that. I'm not, and I've never denied that when he says that stuff. I mean, he's, he's, he's a crazy person a lot of the time, but he's also a very intelligent man. Uh, more so, I would say, than Drumpf. I don't think Trump is smart. I don't think Trump is successful. I don't even think he's a businessman, a Republican. I think he is a product of 1970s and 80s New York hoi polloi who nobody ever told no to and just honestly at this point is allowed to do whatever he wants and he's created, he's a mark. The thing is, I don't think he's stupid. That's the other thing. People, People have a lot of tendency to, to, to diminish him and say that he's stupid. He's not stupid. He's not intelligent, but that's not the same thing as being, you know, not stupid. Well, he, uh, and, that's, and that's a fair point because I don't equate intelligence with a GPA or a letter grade, you know? Um, we all have intelligences. There's, we all have multiple intelligences, you know? And I think... Drumpf and anyone else really um, are intelligent enough to know what they're doing. And like I said, even though Drumpf is believing what he's saying, that equates to, okay, he actually has an, his own formula. He actually can articulate, this is what I've done in The Apprentice, this is what I've done in business. How do we take all that and run a campaign with it? You know? Right. And... That's the only thing I, – here's two things I will a, applaud him on, the only two things. He has taken his stuff in entertainment and business and trying to articulate that into the spectacle that's called the president, presidential campaign and in public administration. And he has effectively used social media in this campaign. Yeah, and he's better at that than anybody. You know, he can tweet anything. I took a shit. And how presidential. Like, our, like campaign finance reform, it's in the shitter. You know? Yeah. He can put that out there and he'll get a reaction out of it. And people are having a conversation about it, you know? You know, and he can show a crowd, you know, live tweeting, oh, look at all these thousands of people here, or. Whatever on Facebook or whatever. I mean, he's done that more effectively than any person in the Republican or Democratic Party. Which is what's scary because that's how Obama beat Clinton. I mean, if you go back and look at time, in 2008, Hillary Clinton had the nomination sewn up. It wasn't even a question. And then Barack Obama explodes on the scene by using social media and everything else and manages to run the table for the remainder after Super Tuesday for the remainder of the primaries. And she has to bow out with... Drumpf, he's doing the exact same thing. He's taking new technology. He's constantly talking. There's a show on Showtime. Have you seen it yet called The Circus? No. um, Have you heard about it? I sometimes watch, in all due respect, and the same guys who do The Circus, um, they'll throw clips up. Okay. Of The Circus. So you've seen, you've seen, have you seen the footage from the rallies of Trump? Not... Did I see it? No. Okay, so they they do a really good job of showing you the kinds of people who are going to these rallies. And 
it feels like the, the one that I remember the most from the show is he went to speak at Clemson, okay? okay. And he's there. And well, my friend A.D. Carson did that video, by the way. Really? Yeah. Well, we got to get them on the podcast then. Um, get to work. The, <laughs> the, the Yes, boss. No. Yes, massa. And, you know, now go shuck and jive for me. Um, yeah, I took it there. You're going to call me massa? I'm going to take it to that level. It's either that or I could have gone sadomasochistic, like, you know, leather and change master, which no one wants that. Harder. Uh, Brought out the, uh, the warming massage oil. Speaking of warming massage oil, Donald Trump's face. Now, um, <laughs> but they're showing you footage of people going into this rally, right? And it is closer in in temperament and behavior to walking into a Clemson Alabama game than it is to a political rally. There are people tailgating in the parking lot. They're walking in going, yeah, Trump for president. And you, you you get the idea that the college kids aren't taking it seriously at first. But then they leave, and, you know, there are people who can go, like, I didn't like him when I came in, and now that I come out, you know, I see a little bit more of the appeal. And, and, and I'm just wondering, you know, there's – I don't like making this comparison because I swear to God, as stupid as this is going to sound – People have made the comparison of what's happening with him to what's happening with Hitler. My grandmother's done that, okay? And yeah. Here's, here's, wait, 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 let me finish. But here's the thing. I don't like making that comparison, and this is going to sound really shitty, but it's unfair to Are Hitler. Are you Hitler props? What? Are you going to give Hitler props? I am, over Trump. Historically, go yeah. back and look at him. No, I, but you know what I'm trying. Like I'm not saying that he was I, a good no, guy. I know, I know what you're saying. But he was I, an I actual political leader. I know. Knowing you, I know you're not saying Hitler is better than Trump. I know you're not saying that. But I think what you're saying, and I know I'm cutting you off. No, no, no please help me get out of this. That okay? So was Hitler and Mussolini horrible people? Yes, they were. Undoubtedly, they were worse in the 30s and 40s and everything. Unlike those two, but those are two different historical periods, right? Right. So fascism in Nazi Germany and in Mussolini's dictatorship of Italy. And in Spain. Right. And in Africa. That, that, that fascism is vastly different than fascism today. There's fascism that goes on today, you know, and like any ideology, those things evolve over time. And comparing Trump to Hitler or Mussolini, I know people want to use that hard blow, and that's kind of like their ace in the deck for their ace in their hand for them and everything. But I think that's a poor way of playing that out because one, it's overplayed by many times by many people towards other people. Secondly, um. Until Trump is actually in the White House, then there's nothing to really compare him to Hitler or Mussolini to, you know? Right. Um, it's one thing to say, yeah, look at the libel laws. Well, yeah, I mean, that's one thing. You know, I mean, that's completely a fascist thing to do is open libel laws and kind of have carte blanche with that and do what you want on your own free will and everything. Um, the way he's been treating rhetoric towards um, Mexicans, 
and immigration alone, um, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So in, in one sense, I understand why people do it, but the second sense that you, you can't overplay that card, you know, because if you keep overplaying it, it has no meaning. It doesn't, you know, and how many times have we said, oh, Rauner's like Hitler. Oh, this person's like Hitler. Oh, this person's like Hitler. You know, Hitler was a bad person. Unquestionably in world history, you know, along with other people, not just Hitler. No, but he's up there. Top three all time worst people who have ever lived on the planet Earth. He is. And in current survivors of Hitler's regime who can tell you why it was horrible, you know? And not just Jewish people, homosexuals, Jehovah's Witnesses, um, other people who didn't believe Gypsies. in Hitler's um, religious ideology, so forth and so forth, you know? Um, those who are mentally ill, disabled, all of them were in the concentration camps. So until we actually see Trump having internment camps or concentration camps in the United States, until we see horrible draconian laws that Trump will do, is when we have to say, okay, you're getting up there. <laughs> you're really getting up there. Well, look, it, it, but the, the, the thing that I'm trying to say even more so with this comparison is um, – by the time Hitler took office in 35, yeah. it had been a 10-year movement. There had been political turmoil throughout that country for you know 20 years since the end of World War I. They were living in austerity. There was, he came together, he, he was in many ways a unifying figure for the outsiders of everything that was going on. And, and now that we're having this conversation, I'm actually swinging words towards he is actually a lot like Hitler because as much as we always sit there and, you know, people talk about Hitler was never a military genius, neither is Trump. Hitler was never a domestic policy guy, neither is Trump. At the end of the day, you know one man, now that we're having this conversation, the comparison fits. It does. Because think about it. Like, I was saying, like, the the... When, when I started this thing, and I was going to say, like, you know, there's a difference between being a leader. But really look at, uh, knowing what you know about World War II, one of my favorite books I've ever read, I don't know if you've ever read it, but The Rise and Fall of the Third Reich. You ever read it? I, I read that maybe a couple of times, but I need to reread that. Go back, and, go back and read it again, or at least, you don't have to read the whole thing. You never have to read, my, I, I honestly have always believed this, AJ. You never really have to read about the fall. The fall is pretty obvious. You, 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 evil cannot sustain itself. It just can't. History has proven that. Evil cannot. But looking at it um, now, Hitler went into power saying, you know, it's, 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 the, it's the poor people, it's the Jews, it's the people that we don't like, and we're going to get rid of them. Assuming if you take Hitler's rhetoric and apply it to today's political speak, he would have been saying we're just going to deport them all. What is Trump saying? 
He'd be saying, you know, we need to, you know, change the laws so that people, the media can be held responsible for what they say. That's exactly what Trump is saying. I'm honestly, as we're having this conversation, my opinion has shifted. And I know that to some listeners that sounds really convenient, but no, that really did happen. I came into this conversation ready to say that in many ways the, the, the comparison is unfair. But no, you know what, man? Like, are you agreeing with me a little bit with this right now? Like, really think about it. not Not the myth of Hitler, which that is that is there. In the myth of Hitler is he was this mastermind evil genius who, who did all this. The truth is he was never that. The truth is he was a fancy boy German aristocrat whose family had lost money. Holy shit. Right. Okay. Um, continue. Continue. But he was a fan. He was, he was a German fancy, you know, uh, you know, rich family whose money had lost money, whose whose family had lost money, who had lost standing, and then rose to power on the backs of his friends who supported him because they saw what he was possible, what he could do with just his ability to speak. Right. Holy shit. Right. Holy shit. Holy shit. Donald Trump is Adolf Hitler, isn't he? See? Donald Trump is Adolf. Okay. Well, folks, we just hit the hour mark on our podcast, which is normally the spot where we end. So I think I think deductive reasoning, I hope you stuck around for the entire show. Uh, Donald Trump is Adolf Hitler. And uh, I'm not saying that to be funny. I'm not saying that to be glib. That's not some joke that I'm making. The historical points... Holy, I mean, AJ, tell me, am I wrong right now? No, I mean, I know what I said earlier that, you know, there's, historically, we have to, like, be reflective of history and what fascism was then in the 30s and 40s. And No, but look at um, it. But, no, what I was going to say is, like, there's that and versus what fascism is now, but having, knowing that, you can still point to things that what Mussolini has done, what Hitler has done, what Idi Amin in Uganda has done, what um, Crimini has done, um, the Ayatollah, uh, Pinochet in Chile, all of these people that we've done, that I've seen in the 20th century, is what we, we do see in Trump. That if you look at Hitler... Hitler was maybe a charismatic person in oratory. But look at the people surrounding Hitler. And that's the thing I want to emphasize the most if you're listening to this podcast. That you, it's not just the person, it's the people surrounding the person to get the kind of policies they want to get done. You really need to pay attention to who's endorsing him, who's actually on his side. And once he's in the White House, who he's going to be his cabinet people are. Who's the people he's going to draft policy for and everything. So even though Donald Trump, Trump, wherever you want to call him, I call him an asshole, um, he may have the kind of oratory that people are attracted to. But if you start seeing, let's just say Chris Christie becomes attorney general. Let's just say that Ted Cruz may have a spot in the White House and the cabinet, vice president, whatever that it maybe look like. An advisor. Um, maybe he might bring Bush on. You know, maybe he might bring Ben Carson on. Maybe he might have Carly Fiorina on. I have always been the opinion 
that those who were running for president on the Republican side for nomination, that they genuinely wanted to run as president, but as soon as Trump and Trump have been winning... They've been positioning themselves for cabinet positions. You know what I'm saying? So think of that scary note. Who's Tom Cruise and Valkyrie in that scenario? I think Chris Christie. As much as Chris Christie is a political whatever... Like, I could see Chris, because, listen, as much as I disagree with Chris Christie's politics, I always thought he was at least a decent guy, because I understand that kind of guy. Mobbed up, connected, not a bad person, but, listen, if you mess with my family, I know a guy kind of dude. And uh, I could see him being the one who leads the assassination attempt when it starts to go too far. Couldn't you? Right. Oh, yeah. And I mean, it's so Jersey. And as, and as soon as when it was, uh, excuse me, what I said earlier, and that is, I, I have two options. I could leave the country, call me a whatever, draft dodger if we have that, <laughs> political conscientious objector, whatever you want to call it. I don't care. I will stand by it. There's, that, there's option A. The option B, and this is something I've always been leaning towards, stay in the country that I have known and love and amplify the issues I stand up for. And, and under Trump administration... You and I will both be in jail. Oh, you'll be in jail. You're going to break me out, AJ? I would be... The, <laughs> I'll be the one, and I'm not saying this as an ego, I'll be the one on television going to jail and probably be exiled. I actually think that if, if Trump became president and four years in he's running for re-election, I would literally take the symbol of the Rebel Alliance from Star Wars, and I would use that to organize a legitimate Rebel Alliance. Oh, I've already taken the Avengers logo. No, no, no. you got to do the Rebel thing because then we're Rebels. No, well, there's that, but then... Can we combine them? We need to find a graphic artist. You can take, like, I've taken, like, the Avengers logo and everything. For my fellow anarchists. I mean, that's that. That's fine, but I would also say that. But in that situation, if we're all going to unite under one symbol, truth be told, it's the Rebel Alliance. No, it's not the Rebel Alliance. I can do you one better because who will be driven to the outsides during a Trump presidency? It'll be uh, the homosexuals. It will be right. the transgendered. It will be the mentally handicapped, mentally ill. It will be the extreme liberals who want to make sure that everybody's okay. It will be African-American uh, voters. It'll be basically everybody on the fringes of society. And when you have to have somebody fight for the fringes of society, when you need a unifying force to stand up for those who do not have the civil rights that they deserve, then it is time for one group of heroes, AJ. Oh. The X-Men. You know what I just thought of? I seriously just thought of this. No joke. So do you remember Red Skull? Yes. And you know how Red Skull became the bee? Yes. I kind of see Trump as Red Skull, but he is the inca- incarceration of Hitler, um, McCarthy, Nixon. Well, people need to know that their president is not a crook, and I uh, am not a crook. Everyone that we've always never liked, he is the incarceration of all those things. Will you shave your head and sit in a wheelchair and become Professor X? Um, I will not because I kind of see myself as the beast in this situation. Well, I'm Wolverine, so I'm how just... did you become? How did you become Wolverine? Because I'm always Wolverine. Nick, 
can we can we have a serious conversation? AJ, I'm first? always Wolverine. Hold on, hold on. Doesn't matter what you do. You're going to sit here and criticize the way. You can say whatever you want. I am always Wolverine. Ladies and gentlemen, just give us a moment. Nick. Uh, is this where I got to scooch we, we, closer? We've, we've talked about this. You're, you're not Wolverine. I want to be Wolverine. You can't be Wolverine. Why can't I be Wolverine? You're more, you're more like Cyclops. Let's, let's be honest. Oh, no, my friend Dave, who you've met, is Cyclops. This is true. He looks like Cyclops. He could be a Cyclops. Exactly. Dave, if you're listening to this episode like a month from now, you're Cyclops. Mm. And, uh, again, Trump is Hitler. Uh, historically, we have evidence to back that up. Other than that, AJ, it's been over an hour. It's time for us to end this show. We'll be back later in the week, ladies and gentlemen, talk about Super Tuesday. AJ, is there any final points you want to hammer home with your Thor hammer? I'll make you Thor. You want to be Thor? Ooh. You get now, the ab- now, you get, now we're talking. You get the abs, too. I already have the abs. I don't know what you're talking about. Okay. <laughs> AJ, anything else you want to say to the people? Um, my code name's Deadpool, by the way, under Trump administration. <laughs> Fair enough. My code name is Wolverine because I am always Wolverine. AJ, say goodbye to the people. Bye, people. Ladies and gentlemen, this has been Out Front with AJ and Nick. Thank you so much for tuning in to our follow-up to the John Oliver piece and our Super Tuesday show that is today. Uh, get out there and vote if you're listening to this in a state outside of Illinois. Otherwise, the uh, Illinois primary, I believe, AJ, do you have the date on that? Is it March 15th? March 15th. Uh, if you're voting here in Illinois, make sure that you vote against Hitler and hopefully for one of the Democrats who is not Hitler. Or, yeah, if you're going to vote Republican, vote for Kasich. He actually seems like a decent human being. I would, I w- I've been telling my, my Republican friends, vote for Kasich. I've never told people this, but vote for Kasich. He seems like a really nice guy for a Republican. So I would, I would have a conversation with him. Yeah. Anytime. He seems like a nice human being. I might disagree on his politics, but at least right. I, I would count on him to not just go push the red button because somebody insulted my shoes. Ladies and gentlemen, this has been Out Front with AJ and Nick. The show is over. We're done. If we keep going, we're just going to find more things to make us sad. Other than that, we'll talk to you later in the week. Find us on Facebook, Chicago Podcast Network. Find us on Twitter, Chicago Podcast One. And you can email us, chicagopodcastnetwork at gmail.com. We will respond to your questions lovingly, and we appreciate your support. If you're one of the people who stumbled onto our webpage uh, after the John Oliver thing, thank you so much. We hope you enjoy this episode, which follows that up. Other than that, ladies and gentlemen, the expression that we end every show with is, yes, indeed, we out! 106 miles to Chicago. We got a full tank of gas, half a pack of cigarettes. It's dark, and we're wearing sunglasses. Hit it. You have been listening to the Chicago Podcast Network.